0: Happy Holidays! Hi, everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, the host. And as I go to record this podcast, I'm in a hotel room. I'm tagging along on a little golf trip that my husband invited me to. I think he actually felt guilty because my birthday falls (laughs) during this time when he had planned to uh, go golfing with one of his friends. And um, so his wife came and I came, and we're actually having a very nice time. It was a nice little respite from the beginning of winter that we're experiencing in Maryland. It got a little bit chilly and windy and Um, It's nice to get away for a few days and get into the warmth. But as I sit here pondering the sacredness of the holidays, and that's what uh, the podcasts are all about, and also a new blog post um, for the month of December, I'm in a very secular place. (laughs) It feels as though the veils are very... here as opposed to some of the uh, more spiritual vacations I enjoy taking to uh, ashrams and monasteries and places where I can really um, find some silence and opportunities for contemplation and yoga practice. And um, this is very, very, very different than that. You know, golfers have a whole different sensibility about them. But as I was taking a walk around the circumference of the golf course here, um, it was beautiful. It was uh, There was traffic happening on one side and the uh, excitement of a golf tournament happening on the other side. But in the middle, I am surrounded by this beautiful, green, lush nature. And um, so I was listening to one of my books on tape by Parker Palmer. He um, has a book on aging that uh, I I recommend, I think it's a really profound book and he's, he's so wise. And um, as I began listening and walking, I heard him say these words and he's talking about um, paradox. He says, in a paradox, opposites do not negate each other. They cohabit and co-create in mysterious unity at the heart of reality. Deeper still, they need each other for health just as our well-being depends on breathing in and breathing out. We have a hard time holding opposites together. We want light without darkness, the glories of spring and summer without the demands of autumn and winter, the pleasures of life without the pangs of death. We make Faustian bargains hoping to get what we want, but they never truly enliven us and cannot possibly sustain us in hard times. When we so fear the dark that we demand light around the clock, there can be only one result artificial light that is glaring and graceless, and beyond its borders, a darkness that grows ever more terrifying as we try to hold it off. Split off from each other, neither darkness nor light is fit for human habitation. But the moment we say yes to both of them and join their paradoxical dance, the two conspire. To make us healthy and whole, oh, I just love that, and that was perfect for an intro to this podcast. Where it's just me. I know I usually have a guest, just me. <laughs> so I hope you appreciate it. You can also follow along on my blog if you want to see my words. Before I begin, I just want to give a little nod to. Blue Planet Eyewear, our sponsor. Blue Planet Eyewear is just a company I admire so much because every time someone buys a pair of glasses, readers or sunglasses, really cute ones, by the way, uh, they give back. They give back to people all over the planet who might not be able to afford vision care, vision wear. So go to BluePlanetEyewear.com, maybe for your holiday shopping, and use the code CONNIE20 to get your 20% discount. So let's get into this idea of grief and the holidays and accepting this play of opposites that we see so often in our lives. Accepting the bad with the good is just part of life, or so the idiom goes. Grief and loss happen throughout a lifetime, but then also come great gifts of joy and happiness. It's an irony of the greatest degree that the holidays, these beautiful festivals of light that we celebrate, happen for us at the darkest time of the year, or perhaps it's a beautiful gift. At the most basic level, the stories we tell around the holidays can be healing at very deep levels. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember that carol? This carol suggests that we take heart, and it implores us to rest in the awareness that Christ, the Savior, was born on Christmas Day to take us out of our grief and darkness. The chorus brings us tidings of comfort and joy, a nice sentiment, easier saying than done, right? Like the holiday stories of our childhood, our own lives are stories unfolding. It is interesting to observe the things that show up in our lives. Our lives are stories that have meaning and wisdom, just as those Christmas stories and Hanukkah stories have meaning and wisdom. We are meant to pay attention to our own stories as well. They're clues to our true selves, as mystic Thomas Merton would say, for Merton, doing away with the false self was our life's work. So we take on this false self by believing the stories we tell ourselves about what is good and bad and right and wrong based on some false culturally derived assumptions and flat-out survival instincts. Father Thomas Keating, who I loved and who died last month, said this of the true self. Our basic core of goodness is our true self. Its center of gravity is God. He also said, and I love this, The false self doesn't drop dead on command, unfortunately. We live our lives mostly on the surface, and surface-level living gets us in trouble with our souls and with one another. At a surface level, we take for granted that the Christmas story is accurate. Truth is, we don't really know if the baby Jesus was born on the date that we celebrate Christmas. We don't know for sure if the stable was even a thing, and we don't know if Mary was really a virgin. The story is a stretch for our modern imaginations. But what if that's the whole point? What if we were to look more deeply with our amazing imaginations and our extremely capable and compassionate hearts? What if we looked at it, that Christmas story, as a gift, a story of hope for our dark, grief-filled lives? Same could be true of the story of Hanukkah, what if we were supposed to let our imaginations take us more deeply into those stories that have undeniably stood the test of time? What if by letting our imaginations run a little wild, we could shine some light onto our own unfolding stories? This December, I have a happy, joyful thing happening right alongside some very sad and stressful things, as many of us often do. On the 10th of the month, My children's book, There's an Elephant in My Bathtub, comes out. It's so happy. It's a sweet gift for children. I really poured my heart into it. Sorry, but all the kids in my life will be getting one, so I've gone and ruined that surprise. There will also be a sweet children's sing-along produced by the super-talented David Rowan, featuring some of my favorite Broadway stars. Now that's fun and happy and joyful and beautiful, if I say so myself. This children's book will become part of my story. It's the good and the bad, the dark and the light, the joy and the grief that is our life's journey, our own personal story, that we're living out every moment of our lives. We experience them all, and they don't have a calendar. It's only in the movies that the enemy troops stop and pray together on Christmas, going back to fighting the following day. Grief and loss and conflict are part of the human condition, but so is joy, happiness, love. Author Cynthia Bourgeau writes, Deeper than our sense of separateness and isolation is another level of awareness in us, another whole way of knowing. Thomas Keating, in his teachings on Centering Prayer, calls this our spiritual awareness and contrasts it with the ordinary awareness of our usual egoic thinking. The simplest way of describing this other kind of awareness is that while the self-reflexive ego thinks by means of noting differences and drawing distinctions, spiritual awareness thinks by an innate perception of kinship, of belonging to the whole. The only thing blocking the emergence of this whole and wondrous other way of knowing is your over-reliance on your ordinary thinking. If you can just turn that off for a while, then the other will begin to take shape in you, become a reality you can actually experience, and as it does, you will know your absolute belonging and place in the heart of God, and that you are a part of this heart forever, and cannot possibly fall out of it, no matter what may happen. In the contemplative journey, as we swim down into those deeper waters toward the wellsprings of hope, we begin to experience and trust what it means to lay down self, to let go of ordinary awareness, and surrender ourselves to the mercy of God. And as hope flows out from the center, filling us with the fullness of God's own purpose, living itself into action— Then we discover within ourselves the mysterious plenitude to live into action what our ordinary hearts and minds could not possibly sustain. My children's book came about when I woke up one morning with a line in my head. It wouldn't leave, so I made a beeline for my computer to type what was rolling around in my mind. This morning I was rather shocked to find an elephant in my bathtub, that was the first line. When six-year-old Isaac visited during the holidays that year with his family, he left some of his toy animals around the house. As I was cleaning up from our holiday party, I found a plastic camel in the sofa cushion, a lion on the floor, and a gorilla on the ottoman. That's how this book was conceived. I try to pay attention to things that happen like this, seemingly out of the blue. Think about the things in your life that have shown up unexpectedly— They might be God things, as my friend Barb and I like to call them. I've learned to pay attention when these unusual things happen, because a subplot of my own story is beginning to reveal itself. This life is so fun and interesting and crazy mysterious like that. One of the many reasons the Christmas story is so magical is the spectacular imagery in the story of the birth of Christ. There is a famous star that appears in the sky, directing those three wise men to the exact location of Jesus' birth. That ancient GPS was important to those three guys. They needed that star, otherwise they'd be lost. We know how men hate to ask for directions. And how about the angel that appeared to Mary, telling her she was going to have God's baby? Whoa, that would be a shocker for any young girl to hear, angel or not. Fortunately, the angel preceded his announcement with the admonishment to fear not, before he unloaded that good news on her. "'Take a deep breath, girl. Your life is about to change radically. And by the way, so will the rest of the world.' Quite a story unfolded on that starry silent night in that stable in Bethlehem. "'Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright,' Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Those two images, the star that led the wise men and the angel's visitation on this teenage mom-to-be, can be woven into my own story. Here's an example. The paying attention to the signs and wonders of the day, like those wise men who didn't have a Waze app on their iPhone, is something I try to practice. When an idea for a story pops in, I take it seriously. Sometimes it turns into a book. Sometimes it's just a passing fancy. When I'm seeking guidance, I look to these sacred stories. For about a year, I played with the story and the images of the elephant and the other larger-than-life animals as a way to handle my grief. It turned out to be great therapy. You might give it a try as another tool for journeying through grief. Creativity is healing. It takes us out of our mind. The mind can spin things over and over until the truth is so obscured it is barely recognizable. The Dr. Phil-like dramas that we create up there in the mind are not the real deal. When we explore our subconscious mind for the creative gems that are hidden there, we're able to uncover deep heart-centered wisdom. The truth of our lives is our story. What is your true story? Take out all of the spin— and take a good, hard, realistic look at your life story. Did you have a less than happy childhood? What stories have you been telling yourself about it? What do you know about your people and their own stories? How separated do you feel from loved ones and others in your community? Where is their common ground? Tell the truth. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. What we know about the Christmas story is that a child was born... And he grew up to be a teacher and a preacher of love, a rabble rouser from the get go, and a healer and a leader. We don't really know what he looked like, although he was probably not much over five feet tall, as that was the average height at the time. We're not sure he was actually born in Bethlehem. Details are murky at best. But the similar stories in the Gospels point to something with historical veracity. The fact that we're still celebrating that birth 2,000 and some years later is telling. I could only dream of that for my little book. I'm enjoying a Pray As You Go website, which provides an opportunity to experience the nativity story in a deeper way. It's beautifully done. You might check it out. I put a link on my blog. It's especially nice for families. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls shall receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. After submitting my story and getting lots of rejections, I was contacted by the publisher back in January. They were interested in my story. What? We began work on the book shortly thereafter. The holidays are tough for a lot of people. I know that after Megan, my first child died. Back to Happy, my first book, was about healing from that loss. I didn't have much passion for creating a festive holiday for my family. But I had to drum up some enthusiasm for my three-year-old daughter, Caroline. I also had a newborn son just two months old that first Christmas. What a story. Somehow, we survived these things that seemed so devastating and life-changing, Many of us thrive through adversity and develop more compassion, resilience, and a sense of justice. Others become bitter, hopeless, deeply depressed. A lot of us fall somewhere in the middle. Our stories go on. Like the animals in my story, the big things become smaller with the passage of time. When we share our stories truthfully, we find common ground. We took the Amtrak train from Baltimore to New York City recently, and as my husband and I emerged from Penn Station onto 34th Street in Manhattan, he commented, I think I just saw more people on this block than I've seen in the last month. So many people, and they each have stories. There's common ground for you. How will you honor your story this holiday season? Will you look to the nativity or the Hanukkah stories for inspiration and an awareness of a deeper truth of your own? I recommend it. Take some time to ponder the meaning of your life in light of the mythologies we've come to know and cherish. How do you relate to the characters in the stories? How will you move forward in relationship to the characters in your life in light of these stories? How has your relationship to your creator changed? in light of these stories, and your own. The Christmas story will always be a source of comfort and joy for me, especially in darker times. Each year my relationship with the mystery that is God deepens as my story unfolds. The staying power of these stories is evidence that life goes on despite hardship and personal struggle. My faith is deepened every Christmas morning when I remember that the light of the world, that innocent child who grew to show us how things could be, was a gift, is a gift of love to all of us, always, and especially when things appear darkest. I will breathe through this season with all of you who are experiencing similar dark nights, right alongside the happiness of holiday festivities— Yoga, a healthy diet, and good sleep will help, as will some of the other lessons I shared in my book, Back to Happy. Also look for my 10-day course coming up called Sacred Grieving, and it will be available on the awesome Insight Timer app. I will be using it as well this season to gracefully navigate the trials to come. I would love your comments on the course. If you love animals like I do, buy my sweet children's book and share with the children in your life. And don't forget to check out our exciting sing-along video coming up on YouTube very soon. You might not thank me after the children have played it for the hundredth time, but your kiddos will love it, I promise. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, blessed, happy, healthy holidays to you and yours. Namaste, Shalom, Peace. What would you do with an elephant in your room? Hey guys, it's Connie Bowman. I'm excited to share with you my favorite listeners that I have written a children's book called There's an Elephant in My Bathtub. It's a sweet book for children ages about two to seven about a little boy who, after leaving his animals all around the house, comes home from school to find there's a safari a party happening in his room. What it really is, is a dad with a wild and fun imagination who creates a sweet story out of something every parent eventually encounters. Toys all over the house. There's an Elephant in My Bathtub will be a book to read over and over again with your child. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit the Connie Bowman Facebook page or click on the book page at ConnieBowman.com. Thanks, and happy healthy holidays.